Welcome to The Workplace, a podcast by Cal Chamber. I'm Erica Frank, Cal Chamber's General Counsel and Executive Vice President. And joining me on the podcast today are some familiar guests. First, we have Ashley Hoffman, who handles labor and employment issues on Cal Chamber's advocacy team, and Ben Ebick, also a labor and employment law expert and a partner with the Fisher Phillips Law Firm in Sacramento. Welcome, both of you. Thank you, Erica. Nice to be here. Happy to be here. It is such a pleasure to have you both here today to talk about what is on the top of mind for most employers in California. Governor Newsom recently signed into law a new mandate for employers that involves providing sick leave for COVID-19 related issues, a matter that is on the top of the minds of most employers as that uh, new requirement takes effect on March 29th. So, Uh, By the time this is posted, it will be in effect. So Ashley, Ben, maybe we can provide some clarification and some new information to our business community about this new law. So Ashley and Ben, what does the new law require? So Erica, happy to go over the basics. Um, I would say, you know, it seems like every three or four weeks, we're back with another, you know, immediate mandate of something employers have to do. Um, so unfortunately, just this is another another one that was you know jammed through and, and goes into effect right away. Um, I, the good news here, I, you know, it's a supplemental paid sick leave mandate. I think for the most part, many employers are already familiar with complying with with some of these requirements, either the federal FFCRA or AB eighteen sixty seven from last year or local ordinances. So I think most employers are not starting at ground zero when it comes to this new requirement, but it is a new requirement, a new mandate with its own specific um, provisions. And as you said, it goes into effect March 29th. So not a lot of time uh, to come into compliance. Just a, you know, an overview of the basics and there's a lot more detail um, for all of these, but generally this new requirement applies to all public and private employers that have more than 25 employees. Um, so that's quite different from AB 1867 last year, which only applied to employers with 500 or more employees. Um, it's up to 80 hours of supplemental paid sick leave um, as uh, you know, most of these paid sick leave ordinances or laws. It does have an expanded list of qualifying reasons. So it has many of the same reasons as AB 1867, including caring for yourself uh, when you're quarantined. Um, But it has some new qualifying reasons specifically related to vaccines. Um, when an employee is taking time to obtain a vaccine or if they are suffering complications from the vaccine. Um, So there's an expanded list of about seven different qualifying reasons why employees can take this leave. Um, What's really unique is it has this retroactive provision um, going back to January 1. And it says, you know, if an employee took uh, time uh, in January, February, or March that was either unpaid or paid at a lower rate uh, for the same qualifying reasons as this new law requires, that that employee can come and ask you as the employer to retroactively either pay them for that time or true up that time um, so that it was paid at the appropriate rate required by this new law. So that's a real tricky element that I think is um, gonna create some logistical challenge uh, for, for many employers. This um, expires at the end of September. Um, so this is, you know, on the books now, retroactive to January 1, goes through the end of September. Although my caveat there is, uh, you know, the legislature could extend it. Um, we've seen, you know, that occur 
many times. Um, there is a required notice, um, just like the normal paid sick leave, employers are required to post the notice or uh, provide it electronically if employees are not frequently frequenting the workplace. Um, and that poster is available on DIR's website. And then there's some new um, pay stub uh, requirements reflecting this time on the pay stub. And there are some um, specific um, things that they have clarified in this new legislation, uh, which I think will be helpful to uh, employers in, in complying with those. So there's a lot of detail on each of those elements, but that's sort of an overview of the basic provisions of this law. Yep, you, you did an excellent job then really summarizing that quickly. So you mentioned, Ben, that this is different from the prior legislation, which was AB 1867, that applied to employers with 500 or more employees. This, of course, applies to employers with uh, 25 or more. How did we get to this point? You know, at the end of December, we all, we all kind of took a deep breath and sigh of relief that there wasn't another California supplement leave. How, how did we get here? And, and why is it now that we're here in March talking about this? Yeah, Erica, so as you, as you mentioned, you know, AB 1867 expired at the end of December. Uh, that expiration date was tied to the federal FFCRA mandate for smaller employers with less than 500 employees, uh, which also expired at the end of the year. Um, and there was kind of a rush around Christmas, you know, when Congress was considering a new uh, package related to COVID-19. You know, would they extend it? Would they not? Ultimately, what the federal government did was made it voluntary. So employees Employers could voluntarily continue to provide the leave um, and obtain tax credits if they did so, but it was not mandatory, which meant that AB 1867 also expired. Um, and so, you know, not a lot of clarity, I think, why it, it took until March, you know, to, to get some interest uh, in the legislature. But, you know, it was a push for an early budget uh, action item on this, um, even though, you know, you did have the Kalosha, right, come in at the end of November and mandate uh, paid leave, full paid leave for anyone with COVID or who's maybe been exp uh, exposed at the workplace. Um, but, you know, that really the expiration of the other two leaves is, is why there was a push for this. Um, so the original version of SB 95 was quite, quite a bit broader. Um, for example, you could take time to care off for anyone. Uh, it didn't have to just be a family member. Um, it applied to businesses of all sizes, not just 25 or more employees, um, and, you know, a couple other items. And so us, uh, and a, a group of about 110 or more organizations, you know, issued our, our letter of concerns, um, especially for how it would impact small businesses that are having to contend with the Kalosha regulation, uh, have now have to contend with CIFRA starting this year and, and other obligations. So uh, we were able to thankfully work with the members of the legislature um, to be able to kind of come together with some amendments, especially uh, that exemption for small businesses. Oh, that's fantastic. Ashley, you mentioned the emergency temporary standard that Kalosha issued last year um, that went into effect on November 30th of 2019. Are there any provisions in the new sick leave bill that correlate to the exclusion pay requirement under the Kalosha emergency temporary standards? Yeah, so one of our big concerns with this new bill was how does this leave kind of 
you know, stack on top of others, right? Um, that's a concern a lot of, especially small employers have is, you know, can some of these leaves run concurrently, right? Um, how much time could I end up maybe having to give it off to an employee? And, and what does that look like cost-wise for finding a replacement? Um, and so something, you know, uh, that was agreed to was to have a provision in there saying that if an employee would be entitled to exclusion pay under the ETS, uh, the employer could mandate that they first exhaust this leave. Um, this leave, you know, has a, a cap of $511 a day, uh, $5,111 in aggregate, um, whereas ETS is full pay benefits with no cap. And so uh, for some employers that have, have been really struggling to be able to afford that ETS leave, uh, this could provide a little bit of relief you know, having to have the employee first exhaust this before they would be entitled to that ETS leave. That's fantastic. Um, so Ben, you had mentioned that the law now takes effect actually going back in time from January 1 through the end of September. Um, what should employers be doing to prepare for this mandate that, that does go into effect officially on uh, March 29th? especially with regards to the retroactivity provision. Yeah, there, there are a few things I would, you know, immediately implement. Um, number one is, is providing the, the notice or the poster to employees. So just like regular paid sick leave, there's a, a posting requirement. DIR has a copy available on their website that has to be posted in the workplace. Um, it, uh, the, SB 95 does say if employees are not frequent, frequenting the workplace, such as they're working remotely, you can send them it to them electronically. Um, so that would be the first you know, step, I would say, is get that notice done and complete. Um, I do think you know, most of our clients are preparing a uh, formal policy, a written policy around this new uh, paid sick leave requirement as part of their uh, employment manual and, and other policies. Um, so I, I would say, you know, get started on working on that, implementing that. Really, you know, this is going to go into effect um, and you could have employees, um, you know, taking leave right away. So you really want to work closely with your payroll folks, whether that be internal or, um, you know, an outside payroll company to make sure um, they're prepared, that they're able to reflect this on the pay stubs um, and everything else. Um, and then with respect to that retroactive payment, I mean, those, you know, requests could uh, start coming in um, as soon as Monday, so uh, the 29th. So I really think um, employers need to have some policy or, or procedure in place um, to, you know, document those requests coming in. They can be oral or written requests, uh, but there should be some procedure to document those requests. There should be one person those requests are made to. Um, and then there needs to be a procedure, and this was where it kind of gets complicated. Um, you know, an employee who took leave for some reason that was unpaid the previous three months uh, now may be able to ask for, um, you know, paid sick time for that pay. Um, but, you know, some employers may not have done a, a good job of tracking the reasons if it wasn't uh, paid time, if an employee was just out. So um, there may be some difficulty in going back, trying to reconstruct and find out why exactly the employee was previously out and whether that, um, you know, meets a qualifying reason under this new law for the retroactive payment. So I think employers need to spend some time, um, you know, coming up with a real process or procedure on how they're going to evaluate and respond to these retroactive uh, payment requests. When a request comes in, um, the uh, retroactive payment has to be made by the, um, the payday for the next full pay payroll period. So there's a little bit of time, you know, to figure this out, but it's not a lot of time. You have to move quickly. So I think coming up with a uh, 
process or a plan in place in advance of how you're going to respond to these retroactive requests uh, would be very helpful. Thank you. That's an excellent starting point, a great, great list of points that employers can take away and start implementing today. Um, Ashley, I know that you work with many Cal Chamber members who have been asking lots of questions about how the COVID-19 supplemental sick leave, you know, really works or plays out in reality. What are some of the common questions that you've been receiving? Sure. So one of them uh, involves like the federal tax credits, um, the American Rescue Plan that Congress recently passed. There was some confusion in there, uh, you know, about how those tax credits would work and, and could they be used uh, for the leave uh, under this new California law. Um, those tax credits, you know, are capped for certain qualifying reasons for the leave at about $200 a day, whereas California requires $500 a day. Um, also, they are resetting the clock on that. Uh, the 80 hour bucket of leave. So if an employee took leave in 2020, uh, you got tax credits for that. Uh, you can again get tax credits for that same employee as long as the leave they take under the California law occurs after April 1st. So it won't cover, you know, any retroactive payments. So we've had a lot of questions on that. There, there was a lot of kind of confusion, uh, even in, inside the legislature about, you know, how, uh, how that process would unfold and, and what that would mean for this law. Some other questions, you know, are, can a former employee come back now and, and request uh, retroactive payment? Uh, the law's not clear on that. What do you do if maybe the employee took uh, some unpaid leave, but, you know, got payment through uh, state disability um, or unemployment? You know, do you, what do you owe them now for that? Or if they took paid sick leave, right? Uh, and versus normal paid sick leave, do you have to credit something back? It's, you know, really not clear in the law how you would address a lot of those kind of complicated questions, especially surrounding retroactivity. And Ashley, for a more detailed discussion about the nuances of this new sick leave law, as well as um, answers to most frequently asked questions, is there any place that uh, employers can go to today to take a peek at um, some more guidance on how to implement this new law? Yeah, the Labor Commissioner did a few days ago issue a set of FAQs that will help address some of the, the most common questions. You know, some of the questions I mentioned aren't addressed in there. Um, so definitely recommend, you know, seeking legal counsel uh, on some of the trickier questions that are or maybe not as clear uh, in the FAQs or in the law itself. Great. Thank you. Well, Ashley and Ben, thank you so much for being here on the podcast to talk about a very recent and relevant development as it relates to COVID-19 and the workplace. So we really appreciate you being here today on the podcast uh, to talk about the supplemental COVID sick leave law in California and um, getting the business community prepared in complying with the new requirements. So thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And thank you for joining us on The Workplace. Please comment, share, and subscribe to Cal Chambers podcast by visiting calchamber.com.